Welcome back, sports fans, to another edition of Fire and Ice Sports. After a long hiatus, we are back for one final dance. Uh, this fall semester, we're going to wrap it up. It's been a great run with you guys, but figured we'd come out here, deliver some great news and audio one last time for you all before we ride off into the sunset come December. But with all that being said, my name is Evan Smoke. I am now a fourth-year student at the University of Georgia. I am in my final semester of journalism classes here at the Grady College of Communication. And about three hours southeast of me, back from his world tour, is Mr. Bryson Wheeler. How are we doing? I'm doing wonderful. Um, yeah, it's been a while since we've done a podcast, probably five or six months. And like I said, going to be our last little ride here, probably wrap up. Hopefully we'll get through, you know, all of college football, go through the playoffs and stuff. But I want you to, to update everybody on what you've been doing the last five or six months since last time we've had a podcast. So I haven't been doing much, just a couple, you know, odd jobs around Athens, getting everything around. Uh, I've been hired at a local newspaper now. Uh, so I'm, I'll be covering that all throughout uh, this fall semester. Keep an eye out for that if you guys know who I am. Uh, finishing up some other courses, you know, and getting ready for one last ride here in the Classic City. All right. Well, that sounds good. And, I mean, me, on the other hand, like you said, just got back from my world tour. I got back from Staten Island, New York, Sunday. And I've been to, like, 25 states this year with the bananas. Traveled, I think it's around 35,000 miles since February. And I'm pretty much done besides I hope to go to Cooperstown in a, about a month from today. We'll see how that works out with my school schedule. But let's get into it. Noah is standing over here with us, and he has a trivia question. Yes. Um, what Power 5 QB led the nation in completion percentage last season? Michael Penix Jr. No. That's a good one. It's not going to be somebody. It's a big name. Oh, it is. Drake May. Nope. Nope. Bo Nix. Bo Nix, the future 2023 Heisman winner, Bo Nix. All right, let's calm down a little bit there. Boom! The future Heisman winner, um, long shot. But let's get into it, and this whole podcast is going to be pretty much just about college football. You know, might mention another thing here or there, but solely focusing on college football. And the first thing I want to jump into – is our top 25 and now I know normally me and you make our own top 25 lists send them to each other we combine them and that's how we get our top 25 but you did not really have time today to send me a list so we're going to roll off of my list if there's anybody you want to add or subtract just let me know if there's something you really want to change like I have a team way lower than you think so stop me but we're going to roll through 25 through 11 real quick here. And then once we get to the top 10, we're really going to dive into it. So at 25, I have Kentucky. You know, they get De Devin Leary from North Carolina State. Think they're going to be much improved. Oklahoma at 24. Iowa at 23. Ole Miss at 22. Tulane at 21. And Tulane could be a really surprise team that can make some noise. Probably not the playoffs just because of the group of five team. And I don't think the playoff committee really wants to put another one in right now. But Tulane's going to be a really good team. Luke Fickle's Wisconsin Badgers are at number 20. I think they're going to be a surprise team for a lot of people. Could be a lot better than that. Number 19. This is probably a team you disagree with. I'm Texas. 
I don't think they're going to be near as good as people are making them out to be. They're always hopped up, always disappoint us. At number 18, South Carolina. 17, Kansas State. 16, my Florida Gators open up with this team, Utah. I think it's going to be a really good matchup in Salt Lake City. Number 15, TCU, a team that made the championship last year. They lost a lot, though. Can they bounce back? Number 14, another surprise team for me, Oregon State. I think they can be a lot better than that if the cards fall in place. Um, Number 13, Washington. Michael Penix Jr. is one of the best quarterbacks in the nation, going to lead that team. Number 12, Penn State, another team that could shock a lot of people, make a playoff push this year. And number 11, LSU. A lot of people have them in their top five, top seven. I'm not quite as high on them this year. But what are your thoughts on 25 through 11? Who would you change? Who would you add? Who would you subtract? So just just off the dome, and again, if I forget a team, I apologize. But 25 right off the bat, Kentucky. I think Kentucky's going to be a dangerous team. I think they could very much uh, finish ahead of South Carolina, if not only Tennessee in the East. I think Devin Leary is their X factor. Mark Stoops is a heck of a coach. We've seen it for years. He's the second longest tenured head coach in the SEC, and that's for that's for good reason. I mean, he, he gets a lot out of that program with a lot less, um, and I think Devin Leary could be a huge X factor for them. Don't be shocked if we're sitting here in uh, December and they're sitting there at 10-2, and two, you know, instead of like an 8-4 and four season like some people expect. Uh, moving on up, uh, Ole Miss. I think they could be a, another team that could surprise people. I, I wouldn't bet on it as much as I'd bet Kentucky, but I think they're a huge trap game for the Georgia Bulldogs uh, late in the season. I could tell you that when they come to Athens, uh, that Lane Giffen always has some sneaky, great offensive teams. And I think his defense is actually going to be able to pick it up this year. Ole Miss could cause some noise, uh, maybe not some national title noise, but obviously could play spoiler to a lot of people, I think, as this season goes on. You, you talk about Texas being a 19. I have them a little higher. I do agree. I don't think they're this all-world beating team. I don't – I mean, maybe you pencil them in to be the Big 12 champion, but I wouldn't stamp it. I think they're going to be um, right in the middle of the pack with a lot of great teams from the Big 12. Um, I imagine we'll talk a little bit later about realignment and how that's going to, you know, affect not only this season but the future. Um, but that that the team that I would want to talk about the most that you said is Tulane. I, I, I'm actually not on the Tulane hype train. I think they're a very good team. I think they're going to have a great season. They lost a lot of pieces. Uh, I understand they came, you know, Willie Fritz saying is huge, man. Um, and that was a big thing for them. Um, but the group of five team I'm looking out for is Boise State. Uh, Boise State was a national powerhouse about eight, ten years ago. They really haven't made much noise, you know, in the last couple of years. Not that they've been bad football. They just haven't been – ultra competitive that we saw, you know, in the late 2000s, early 2010s run. I think they returned to stature this year. I think Boise State uh, in the Mountain West could be a sneaky group of five, uh, you know, New Year's Six Bowl pick. You move on up. Uh, I really love uh, Wisconsin's inclusion. I think Wisconsin's – I'll go ahead and say it. They're going to win the Big Ten West, and they're going to be right there in Indianapolis possibly for a chance to not – if not the playoff, to sneak into a great group of six – or, you know, New Year's Six Bowl you go on up to Oregon State, love the pick. Oregon State's awesome. Um, they've kind of been left behind in this realignment talks, but I think this season they're going to be really, really good, really difficult. Pac-12 is going to be probably top to bottom one of the most fun leagues to watch in football this year. Um, it's kind of our last hurrah with them, and again, we'll talk about it later in the show, but I think they're going to go out on a big bang. Uh, they're probably going to cannibalize each other, um, but I think it's going to be some really exciting football late at night. And you move on up to LSU. I would have LSU in the top ten. Um, I would. I, I haven't heard their name yet, so I'm. I'm going to go ahead and say it. I'd imagine 
I'd have Tennessee out of my top 10 and LSU in. LSU's probably not higher than seven or eight in my book, but I definitely have them in that top 10 mix. All right. Well, I do love what you said about the Pac-12. I think that's going to be one of the best college football conferences, possibly the best outside the SEC. Let's jump into the top 10 real quick. And Notre Dame is my number 10 team. And it pretty much falls on the shoulders of one guy. It's Sam Hartman. You know how big of a Sam Hartman guy I am. Former Wake Forest quarterback. I I think he had 40-plus touchdowns last year, right around that the year before. I think he's the top five quarterback in college football. You do have Aldrich Esteem at running back as well, who's one of the best running backs in the nation. Very forgotten guy. And then Javante Jean-Baptiste coming over to lead that defensive front from Ohio State. I think this team's going to be really solid. I think they go 10 to 11 and 1. I think Sam Hartman has a Heisman esque uh, season. I don't think he's going to win it. I think he very well could be a finalist, though. What are your thoughts on Notre Dame? I, I agree with everything you said. You know, the Ohio State transfer is going to be huge. Sam Hartman's, again, like I talked about Devin Leary, these transfer quarterbacks are going to be huge for these, you know, national players as they invest the carousel ran once again. But Sam Hartman should be the heart and soul of this team. I, I'm really looking forward to seeing him in a Notre Dame uniform, what he can do in that system. Um, but and exactly how you said it, before you even said it, that was what I was thinking. Heisman-esque. I don't know if he wins it. I don't know if he even makes it to New York. I wouldn't be surprised if he did. But he's going to be right there in the you know in contention. He definitely will finish top ten in votes. I think he's going to have a heck of a campaign and set himself up for a really nice draft position going into next year. All right, at number nine, we have another Pac-12 team, and it's the Oregon Ducks, led by Noah's Heisman pick, supposedly, Bo Nix. I love this offense. I really do. I think they're top five offense in the country. Bo Nix at quarterback, Bucky Irvin, one of the most uh, or forgotten running backs in the nation. He's going to be great for them. Noah Whittington right behind him. And then the wide receiver court is great with Troy Franklin, Treshawn Holden coming from Bama, and Tez Johnson. The defense did lose a lot, though, a lot of transfers in and out. But they do have Jordan Birch, former five-star, coming in from South Carolina, and Mays Funa, one of the best linebackers in the country, still there. So what are your thoughts on the Oregon Ducks? So Oregon is that team that I feel like every year you just have to do it. You have to put them in the top ten, right? There's there's no way on paper when no one's ever touched the field, you can't look at the team and tell somebody they're not a top ten team. I don't think they will be. I think that defense is going to be a huge liability for them. And while I do trust uh, Bo Lan- or excuse me, I do trust Coach Lanning to get the most out of his people. And Bo Nix is going to be great. He he's also in that conversation like Sam Hartman in that Heisman esque year. If he's there in New York at the end of the year, I'm not shocked, but I don't think he is. I think he finishes top ten in votes, um, and I think he has a great campaign. Probably set himself up for a better draft position going into this year. But he just doesn't sell me as someone who can win the big game. And especially in what we've already talked about, how the Pac-12 is going to be probably one of the most fun conferences to watch because I think they will cannibalize each other. Um, I really think this Oregon team is going to let some people down. All right. Well, let's go to number eight, and it's the Florida State Seminoles. You know, my Florida Gators rival, I hate to see them this good, but, man, I think this team's going to be really good this year. Jordan Travis at quarterback returning. He was great last year, going to be great again. Trey Benson, that running back. And then one of the best wide receivers in the nation, Johnny Wilson. He is 6'7", 240, and super fast. I mean, this guy should be at the top of 
all these NFL teams' draft boards, I think he's going to be a stud for them. And then on the defense side of the ball, Braden Fisk and Jared Verse lead probably, well, a top three defensive line in the country. Braden Fisk transfers in. I'll talk a little more about him later. Jared Verse, everybody knows the name, going to be a future first-rounder. What are your thoughts on this team? Florida State is going to field the most competitive team they've had probably since the Jameis Winston era. And I'm really excited because those poor people went through a lot of problems in the post-Jimbo Fisher era. Florida State, though, does play one of the toughest schedules. They have to go to Clemson. They get LSU early. I think that's two of the first four games for them. If they could somehow split them, they've got a chance to be there in the end. I don't think they do. I think they finish the season a very respectable 10-2. and two, Absolutely run through. Even maybe get a chance at the ACC championship because they went away with divisions, if I'm not mistaken, this year. Um, I, think, I think you're correct with that. I think I am, too. Uh, if I'm wrong, sorry to my fact checkers out there. But I think this team could be very well there in Charlotte at the end of the year. Maybe get some revenge. Sneak their way into a playoff game. If not, probably be that fifth seed looking in. I'm really excited to see how this team turns out. I just don't know. They're on the cusp. And I, you know, and I, and I hate to keep riding the fence like this with my Heisman S people. Florida State could definitely be there in the final four. I want everyone to understand that I'm not shocked by it. I don't have them there. I've got them probably at five or six. Really great team. Really great season. Probably going to be right on the outside looking in. Maybe another year away, depending on how the transfer you know, portal goes for them this offseason. All right, at number seven. Of the Clemson Tigers, and this is a team that I think could be – I think they might can return to their glory days this year, but it rides on the shoulders of Kay Klubnik. If he can turn into the player that a lot of people think he can be, this team can make the playoffs go win and all. If he's like what we saw last year, they're going to be a borderline top ten team this year. I'm a believer in Kay Klubnik. I think he can do it. I will say he does not have the best wide receiver room. Bo Collins is leading that, Antonio Williams and – Adam Randall will both start there. Will Shipley and Phil Moffa are a really good uh, running back group that he's got with him. And then this defense is going to be good as always. Xavier Thomas leading the front seven who, I mean, it feels like he's been there for 20 years. Peter Woods, true freshman, five-star, is going to be, I think he's going to get a lot of playing time. And then Jeremiah Trotter at linebacker. A lot of people are saying this guy could be a top 10 pick. I don't fully understand all of the hype around him, but he's a really good linebacker. What are your thoughts on this team? Yeah, I'm, I'm really glad you brought up that last point about the Trotter linebacker kid. I've never really heard of him until going into the season. and I'm excited to see how he turns out if he really is that breakout candidate that these analysts are predicting because they do know more than us. They're closer to the game, but I just don't see it happening. I, I this Clemson team is going to be really good, and I, and I think Klubnik's going to take that next step. I think they're going to be there in the end, you know, but, again, it's all going to come down to that early matchup with Florida State. Right now I'd give the edge to Clemson, but that's going to be one of the better games of the year if, 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 if you want me to project it right now. I think the winner of that game's going to be there in the Final Four. All right. I mean, I like that take. We'll see how it goes. And at number six, it is the Tennessee Volunteers. At quarterback, they have Joe Milton. Joe Milton, to me, is a more accurate, better decision-making Anthony Richardson. He can he has a cannon for an arm, and he's very mobile as well. I think Joe Milton's going to have a great season. 
he also has Jabari Small and Jalen Wright, who have both been there for forever at running back. His wide receiver room is still really good, even after losing Jalen Hyatt and some others. Still has Brew McCoy and Ramel Keaton and Squirrel White, who are who they make up one of the best wide receiver rooms in the nation. Now this defense definitely has some questions. The secondary is pretty good with Brandon Turnage and Tamarion McDonald, but other than that, I think this defense has a lot of question marks. What are your thoughts on the Volunteers? It's rough. Um, they're unproven. They're kind of the opposite of the Oregon team. The way I said this Oregon team seems like you've got to put them there, but I don't believe in them. But there's no way I believe in this Tennessee roster as I'm looking at it, but I do believe in these guys. I think they're going to be good. Joe Milton's lost two starting quarterback jobs, though. I understand he lost it to, you know, some really great quarterbacks, but this is a little different now. The wide receiver room – can Brew McCoy and Squirrel Wright step up, become these true X and Y number one receivers instead of, you know, playing second fiddle to some of the great, you know, Jalen Hyatt's and Cedric Tillman's of the world. This Tennessee team's the defense is very scary. I think that's their Achilles heel. I think they lose a game that they shouldn't. Um, I think they get upset. And then and you, you look at Alabama and Georgia, they're going to be great contests. I wouldn't give them the edge in either of them. I think the Tennessee Volunteers could be looking at a nine and three season. Wow. I mean, I will say one thing, and I'll talk more about my Florida Gators in a little bit. And now, don't think that I think Florida's going to be great this year. I actually projected them to go 6-6. Six and six. I think they're going to win some big games, though, this year. They have Utah on the road. They get Tennessee and Florida State at home. I think they win a minimum of one of those. I think they very well could win two of those. I still think they go 6-6. Six and six. But I think they're going to win some of those big games. Would not be too shocked if they knock off Tennessee. That uh, I think it's the fourth game of the year. It's going to be a fun one. Let's get into the top five. Michigan at number five. And I know you're going to have this team, I think, at number two. But I'm not quite sure. And I get why. This team returns just about everything that from last year's team, which made the playoffs and lost to TCU year before they make the playoffs and get killed by Georgia in the first round. And that's why I'm just not fully bold on this team. Every time they get to the big stage, besides the Ohio State game, they just fail. And they remind me a lot of Notre Dame in the past few years. You know, when they were making the playoffs or playing Georgia, you know, in the years of 2016 to 2020, they always disappoint in the big games. And I get this team is phenomenal running the ball. I mean, Donovan Edwards and Blake Corum are the best tandem by far in the nation. They're going to run for so much. But I'm not a huge believer in J.J. McCarthy. He's a good game manager. He's not going to lose you games, but he's not going to win the big ones. The defense did lose a lot in the front seven. They returned most of their uh, secondary, though. I think this is going to be a really good defensive unit still. I think this is a really good team. I just think there's four better teams in the country than them. What are your thoughts? This Michigan team is exactly how you said. They return everyone. I think they've got that fire, you know, to really take the next step. But, again, it's it's going to be really hard to beat Ohio State three years in a row. I, I want to say that. I probably you, – you talk about them being at two. I think I'd probably have them at three. Um, I'd probably have Ohio State at two. Um, but I think this Michigan team's really good. I think they're underrated 
uh, I think they're not getting the justification, you know, like the love that they deserve sometimes. Because sometimes people have them as two, sometimes people have them at five. I like the solid three spot. I think that's where coming in this year you can expect them. They've got some questions when it comes to the big game. And can they really, you know, push down Ohio State and establish themselves as this new dynasty? Or is this just a transient year? I mean, there's a lot of talk about Harbaugh leaving this offseason. There's a lot more talk that he's going to leave next offseason. I mean, it's, it's, that is never good for, you know, any type of athletic program when your coach has to constantly, you know, shy himself publicly away from leaving your university. And I think that could get to him. Michigan's one of those teams that I would expect highly of, but while I would be shocked, I could also see exactly how they would lose a game. All right. Well, let's move to the top four. And I have the Alabama Crimson tied at four. I think this team is going to surprise a lot of people this year. A lot of people are talking about them going nine and three or ten and two, possibly. I think they finished the regular season twelve and zero. This team has three of the top ten recruiting classes ever on their roster right now. I get there's huge question marks at the quarterback position. And I fully agree with that, but it's either going to be Jalen Milrow or Ty Buckner. In my my opinion, I think. Ty Buckner is your starter by the end of the year. He struggled a little bit here and there last year at Notre Dame when he got to play, but he also showed glimpses of being really good. And I think that – I think Ty Buckner can be a really good quarterback for this Alabama team. Jason McClellan is that running back. Feels like he's been there forever. But this wide receiver group is much more improving, and I think that's why this quarterback, whoever the quarterback for this team is, can look a lot better. Jermaine Burton, Ja'Cory Brooks, and Kobe Prentice are listed as your starters. But I think Isaiah Bond is a guy who's going to break out this year for this Alabama team, and I will talk about him a little more when we get to our breakout players. Uh, I think this defense is going to be really good, led by Dallas Turner. I think Dallas Turner is going to turn into possibly the best defense player in the nation, but this secondary is the best in the nation, in my opinion. Now, get you have Caleb Downs, a true freshman that's going to start at safety, but I think Downs is a stud. Kool-Aid McKinstry, people are saying he's the best cornerback in the nation. I'm not sure if I quite believe that yet, but he's one of the top three or five easily. Malachi Moore returns. I mean, I think this team is kind of a forgotten team this year. I know that's crazy to say about Alabama, but nobody's really thinking they can win it all this year. I think this team fully can if they get good play out of a quarterback. What are your thoughts on Alabama? Yeah, this Alabama team's really improving, but the talent's galore. You, you keep – I mean, we're talking about – we're two years removed from a Nick Saban national championship. I don't even know the last time that happened. I mean, he is fuming. He really – he loves the underratedness. He wants to be able to have people be surprised by his team, and I think that's why we haven't really heard much from him in the offseason. I think this quarterback question is really going to be the problem. Can you get good play out of it? Can your wide receivers officially take that next step? I'm expecting them to. This team reminds me a lot of that 2018, 2017, however you want to categorize it, Georgia team that had great players on defense and great players on offense, but the quarterback was the question mark. We were going into the year with Jacob Eason. We lost him immediately, and we had front. And we got serviceable play, high-level serviceable play, and that could succeed. And you look at some of the Alabama national championships. He made a championship with Blake Sims. He's won one with Greg McElroy. He's won one with Jake Coker. These are guys who have never – he won two with A.J. McCarron. And A.J. McCarron plays in the XFL. So, I mean, these are things that 
you know, never really transpired into great professional careers, but he was able to get just enough out of them on the college level to succeed at the highest level. So I think that's going to be something. I think Alabama wins is going to be very dangerous. Um, them and LSU is really going to be the battle of the West. If Alabama wins that game, they're going 12-0. and If they lose that game, they're probably going 11-1. and But either way, I think both of those teams are still going to be really competitive, and it's going to be great for a great match sometime in October. All right, getting into the top three. I have – I'm going to go ahead and say it this early in the podcast. I have my national champion at number three, and it's the USC Trojans. Uh, coming uh, in uh, – Wrong. Wrong. <laughs> I don't think coming into the season they're the best team in the country, and mainly because they have a very makeshift defense right now. But I think this defense is very talented, led by Bear Alexander, the Georgia transfer up front. They have, they're going to start six transfers on defense. It's going to take time for that defense to mold. But this offense is disgusting. Caleb Williams, in my opinion, by far the – well, he's the best player in the country, but – not by far, because I think Marvin Harrison Jr. is right there with him. Their running backs, Austin Jones and Marshawn Lloyd, two of the best, you know, best one of the best tandems in the country. But their wide receiver core is what's going to make this team so good. Dorian Singer coming in from Arizona and Mario Williams, who's been there. They also have two five-star freshmen who are going to get a lot of playing time, Deuce Robinson and Zachariah Branch. He has playmakers galore, and that's a scary thing to say when you're talking about the best quarterback in the nation in Caleb Williams, who I think is also going to win Heisman. I'll go ahead and throw that out there as well. What are your thoughts on this USC team? One, they're not going to win the national championship. Two, I don't think they make the playoffs. Uh, And the reason I say that is I don't think the team's not good. I think this offense is dangerous. But you had the Blinknikoff winner, and you had the Heisman winner, and you couldn't do anything, and you lost to a group of five team in the conference. And the team only – I mean, yes, these transfers are the key. Defense is going to be the key part of this team. If the defense meshes and they start being a top 20, top 15 unit, it's going to be very scary to beat this team. I agree. We've already talked about the Pac-12 is going to cannibalize each other, and I think that's going to stay true to USC too. If USC does get into the playoff, they're coming in with one loss. They're not going in undefeated. I'd put so much money on that that I'd probably go broke if I didn't get it right. And I, I, I like this team. They're going to be very dangerous. I think they're right up there with that Florida State team that I talked about being the five or six team, but I don't think they get in. I think they lose too many games. Utah, I think they do beat Utah this year. I think they're tired of the Utah. But games versus Oregon, Oregon State, Washington, UCLA's on the come up. That's four trap games right there. And I think they can definitely lose at least one, if not two of them. This team, this team has got all the talent in the world. I don't – there's no reason they should, like, on paper lose games. The cohesion and the unity of this unit is going to be the main X factor. I think it comes too late. Lincoln Riley's not known for winning the big game. I don't think he beats the Chargers this year. I've got USC probably finishing the season at number five. All right. Number two, Ohio State. And you said you have them at number two as well. I would. And outside of the quarterback position, I mean, this team is just loaded. Mayan Williams and Travion Henderson at running back is just nasty. Kyle McCord or Devin Brown is going to be their starting quarterback. I think it's going to be Kyle McCord. But whoever it is, this receiving core is just nasty. I mean, like I mentioned a few minutes ago, Marvin Harrison Jr., one of the best, if not the best player in the country. Julian Fleming, Amika Ibuka, 
I think Carnell Tate, some fresh moves, can get a lot of playing time. Brandon Ennis, watch out for him. And then Xavier Johnson's a guy who he didn't get too much playing time last year, but when he did, he really looked good. Cade Stover turns at tight end. And then this defense is going to be really good. One of the best Ohio State defenses we've probably ever seen. JT Tuamaloa leads them up front. Jack Sawyer and Tommy Eichenberg, along with Steel Chambers, lead probably the best linebacker core in the country outside of maybe Georgia. Josh Proctor in the secondary. I mean, this defense is going to be nasty. What are your thoughts on Ohio State? This Ohio State team's really dangerous. I mean, we saw it last year in the Peach Bowl. Yes, they lose C.J. Stroud. Yes, they lost, you know, other key pieces that's going to be hard to replace, but they're going to reload. Ryan Day – Again, has to beat the Chargers of winning the big game, but I think he does get back on track versus Michigan this year. You know, and I think he wins the Big Ten, and I think he's there in the playoffs. Um, I really don't know who can win the national championship this year because I have, like, three different people who I would pick, but no three of them make sense in my head. I I think this could be a crazy year, but Ohio State's loaded. They're going to be right there competing for it all at the end. All right, and then number one, of course, is your Georgia Bulldogs. And I'm going to have them number one until they prove us that they're not, just because they're back-to-back national champions. And while I don't – I'm not a full believer in Carson Beck. I do think he has a solid season. I mean, yes, they do lose Todd Monkey. It's going to be interesting to see what their offense looks like. I think he's going to be just fine, though. Kendall Milton and Dejon Edwards are going to lead one of the best running back groups in the nation. Their wide receiver core really took a step up this year, though, adding Ra Ra Thomas and Dominic Lovett, Lad McConkey and Marcus uh, Rosemary Jackson. Uh, this defense, as always, is going to be nasty. Michael Williams and Nazir Stackhouse lead the front. Jamin Dumas Johnson, Smell Munden, and Chaz Chambliss lead one of the best uh, linebacker cores in the nation. Jamin Dumas Johnson. I think is going to be the leader of this defense, and I will talk more about him in just a minute. I am a huge fan of his. And then the secondary is going to be great with Malachi Starks, Tyke Smith, Javon Bullard, Kamari Laster. I mean, the list goes on and on. What are your thoughts on the Bulldogs? The team's loaded, man. And, you know, you talk to people around Athens that have been privy to practices, and it sounds like this is the best team. He thinks top to bottom that Kirby's had. Talent-wise – it ain't there. You know, the big names, your Jordan Davises, your Nicobe Deans, your Stetson Bennett's, you know, those people, Nick, there ain't no Nick Chubb or Sony Michelle. There's not a guy you got to rely on to help you win the game. But from top to bottom, you know, lines one, two, three, four, five, anybody can come in that game and put on hurting on someone else. There's a lot of unity in this team. And there's a, and the, you know, Kirby's a big preacher in not being complacent. You can't be complacent that you won two. That's gone. You want to win a third, you start from the dirt and you work your way up. And, you know, we'll, we'll talk about this later when we get to the playoffs. This team has all the makings to win another one. It'd be the first time in the modern era that it's ever happened, and I think it's possible. We'll talk about that more later. But this Georgia team really needs solid play from Carson Beck and your wide receiver group to turn into from potential to production. If that happens, if you turn potential into production with, with one of the easiest schedules in the country, I won't mince words, you know, I mean, a, a lot of the scheduling was because a lot of our common opponents are down this year and they took away the Oklahoma game from us and we had to fill it in at the last minute. I, you know, you can make all the excuses what you want, but at the end of the day, you get seven home games and your away games of your four away games, one's in Atlanta, or excuse me, of your 
you get seven home games, one game in Jacksonville, you get one game in Atlanta versus Georgia Tech, and then you have to go to Auburn, and you have to go to what? Not Nashville and Ten- Nashville and Knoxville. So you never have to go anywhere besides one state over. I mean, the team is set up to be dangerous. And I agree with what you said, man. You know, you, there is question marks. I'm not denying that. But until somebody comes in and beats a team that's lost one game in the last 30 and has two national titles and SEC championship and two huge, uh, you know, performances in the college football playoff, the championship this past year in the Michigan game two years ago, it's really hard to tell someone that they're not the number one team when they've got no way to say that they are. Yeah, I fully agree with that. And, I mean, they should be the favorite to win it all right now. I just feel like USC is going to come together on defense, and I feel like the offense is just too nasty. And we'll get into our Final Four and our champion in a little bit. But I want to go with a surprise team of yours this year. And I'll kick mine off so you can be thinking about yours. I actually have two in mind, and we've mentioned them. It's Wisconsin and Oregon State. I think Luke Fickle's going to do wonders with this Wisconsin team. I think they're a really talented team. Tanner Mordecai's going to be at quarterback and Braylon Allen at running back. Braylon Allen may be the best running back in the country. Tanner Mordecai's going to do really good in this offense, I think. They're going to score a lot of points. I think this defense is good. It would not be shocked if they knock off a big team this year. And then the other one, Oregon State. This is a team that I would not be surprised if they finish 12-0 this year in the regular season. I do not think they'll make the playoffs. I don't think they can win at all. I think this team's really, really talented, though, and could match up with USC in the championship, in the Pac-12 championship, undefeated both of them. I think DJ DJ Uyongale is going to show us a little more of what we kind of thought he would be at Clemson. He was a very mediocre quarterback there. I think he's going to be a little better than that. I think Oregon State's a very talented team this year. Who is your surprise team, though? Washington and Texas Tech. I think Washington wins the Pac-12. I think it gets really weird. I think there's a lot of teams that lose games that they shouldn't. And at the end, a two-loss Washington sits up there and wins a game probably in the championship over USC that they had no business winning, and they get to go to the Rose Bowl in the New Year's Six. I think it gets really weird, um, and I and that's what I'm saying. I'm taking the Huskies. Michael Penix Jr. showing great flashes last year of how good he can be. And in one of the schedules where you've got teams like Oregon State, Oregon, Washington, USC, UCLA is on the come up. Colorado, with all of their transfers, can they make some noise? I don't think they do. I think they do probably pull an upset, and we have to listen to Deion Sanders for three weeks in a row. There's a lot of great teams in that league that's going to make some noise, and they're going to they're going to all hit each other. And then at the end of the day, somebody's going to be standing there with two losses, and I don't see why not. It can't be Washington. I agree. Very well could be. Do you want to explain the Texas Tech pick, though? The Texas Tech pick. You look in the last four years of the Big 12. You had TCU with a first-year head coach finish to, finish to pick eighth or ninth in the or in the league. You look ahead a year before that, Baylor, seventh or eighth. They finished 12-2 and two behind, you know, young coach Dave Aranda. This Texas Tech team was pretty good the last five weeks of the season when they finally got in under Joey McGuire's system. They add a lot of they add some good transfers from around the country and they get to turn around and have a lot of good games at home. This Texas Tech team, I'm not saying they might not win the Big 12. I'm not calling that. But I think a lot of people have got them in that eight and four range. They could definitely hit double digits, if not eleven, wins this season, I think. 
Okay, that's a very interesting take. We'll see how it plays off. All right, let's talk about a disappointing team real quick. And I've already hit on mine earlier. It's Texas. I mean, yes, this team is very talented. Quinn Ewers or Arch Manning is going to be a quarterback. I think it's going to be Quinn Ewers. I'm not a Quinn Ewers believer, though. I know he had a couple good games, looked really good in the Alabama game until he got injured. I just don't think he's that all-world quarterback, and neither do I think Arch Manning is to take over for him if he's not performing. Wide receiver, Xavier Worthy, A.D. Mitchell, and Jordan Jordan Whittington, those are the three studs. They're going to be awesome there. The defense, though, lost a lot of pieces. I don't think they're going to be a really good group. I think they're going to give, get in a lot of shootouts. They'll win some. They're going to lose some. I think this is the 8-4 and four team, and people are picking them to be a top-10 team, possibly make the playoffs. What's your thoughts? Yeah, I got Texas probably at 9-3. and three. You know, losing – probably losing some one game in the Big 12 they shouldn't. Uh, you know, probably losing to uh, TCU and then Alabama. You know, I, I think that's what happens. They, they probably beat some teams that they shouldn't, maybe like a Baylor or a Kansas State. But this team should be a little better than you had them. Like I said, I'd have them around 15 to start the year, but a 9-3 and three finish, kind of what I'm feeling from the Longhorns. But everything you said, man, that defense is not going to be able to stop points, especially in the shootout league that we know is the Big 12. They're going to win some, they're going to lose some, and at the end of the day they're going to have to look themselves and try to go back to the drawing board and the transfer portal for some defense after this year. All right. And I know most of our listeners are SEC fans probably or like a team in the SEC. So we're going to run over a couple more teams in the SEC, get your thoughts and picks on them. So you can go ahead and think of a couple teams that you might want to hit on. I know we've hit on a lot in our top 25. I'm going to hit on my Florida Gators, though, first. And like I said, I predict this team to be 6-6. Six and six. Graham Mertz comes in from Wisconsin. I don't think he's a good quarterback at all. <laughs> I think he can be good, though, if he doesn't try to be Superman, lets the run game, you know, settle in. I mean, we do have one of the best tandems in the backfield, Montreal Johnson and Trevor Etienne. They're going to be great. We do have some solid receivers. Ricky Pearsall returns. And then we've got three freshmen coming in who I think are going to be really good. And Eugene Wilson, Aiden Meisel, and Andy Jean. I'm ready to see them in the future. You know, let's say we bring in a really good quarterback next year or whether we have to wait for DJ Lagway. I mean, I love these playmakers as true freshmen coming in. We'll see how they can be as true freshmen, but I think years down the road they're going to be great. The offensive line is kind of makeshift. You have two transfers who are going to start, Micah Mescua and Damian George from Alabama. The defense is going to be a surprisingly solid unit, I think. They're going to be much better than you've seen in the past by these Todd Grantham defenses. Princely Umamielin is going to lead the front four. Uh, Justice Boone is a guy who we were kind of expecting a big year out of, but just towards ACL. Hopefully he'll be back good next year. Shamar James at linebacker is going to be really good. And then this secondary is going to be solid, led by Jason Marshall, one of the best cornerbacks in the nation. I do think that they can win some big games. I already mentioned, I think they win at least one of the Utah, Tennessee, or LSU game or FSU games. But I also think that they could lose games such as Vanderbilt like they did last year. They could lose that Missouri. I think they're going to show glimpses of where Billy Napier wants to be, but also they're going to still be really bad in some games. I think anywhere from four and eight to Eight and four is very reasonable for this team. I'm going to pick the middle ground in six and six. 
What are your thoughts on the Gators and any other teams in the SEC you want to hit on? Yeah, so I, I got Florida 6-6, six and six too. They'll make a bowl game. Um, you know, and obviously we'd love if they didn't, but <laughs> I, I think they are going to do exactly what you said. I think they're going to win a big game or at least play someone really tight that it gets really nervous. Just hoping it's not Georgia, knock on wood. But, you know, I think this team is going to show flashes exactly like you said, and I think they're probably two years away from being super competitive. But I don't see any reason if Philly can continue to build the pledge class – or not the pledge classes, the recruiting classes like he has, then um, there's no reason they can't be like a Tennessee last year that makes some noise and looks poised to take that next step. Um, some other teams, I think South Carolina – I think South Carolina, Kentucky, and Tennessee could finish in any order from two to four. I think all three of those teams are dangerous. I think they're all going to play Georgia decently well. I don't think they're going to get super close, but I think they're going to give us a headache every now and then. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked if we go wire to wire with one of them. And I think all three, their quarterback's the X factor. You know, you look at Rattler, you look at Larry, and you look at Joe Milton. If all three of those play at their highest level, they're going to be dangerous teams. If Beamer Ball is someone that we both appreciate, that we like as a person, not only as a head coach, and I think he's going to maybe take that next step this year. I don't know. I, I'm, it's really hard for me to put them in a two, three, four order. I just know there's a clear separation between Georgia, and I know there's a clear separation from everyone else in the East, and those three teams are going to have a demolition derby to figure out the next three spots. Some other teams I want to talk about, Texas A&M. Some people have them in their top 25. Take them out. That is a dumpster fire waiting to happen. You have Jimbo Fisher as a head coach who can't think straight. You have Bobby Petrino as the offensive coordinator, which I don't even know what's going to happen there. So, with all of that being said, don't look for Texas A&M to make some noise. I think Arkansas has a down year. Vandy's going to have a down year. Missouri's going to be pretty bad, I think. Um, like, again, and I, I mentioned it earlier, I think the team to look out for the most in that SEC West is Ole Miss. Do they take that next step? Do they finish second in the West? Do they knock off an LSU or an Alabama and finish behind them? Or are they going to kind of fit into that mold where they're the third or fourth best team in the West? I'm interested to see how Lane Kiffin does. And I think this is year four at Ole Miss. That sounds right. Yep. So those are my talks on the SEC. Yeah, I agree with everything you said. And Texas A&M was the other team that I really wanted to ask you about that you did mention. And I'm right there with you. A lot of people have them in their top 25, top 20, maybe even higher. They're getting hopped up like they did last year. They let down a lot of people. I do think this is a team that can finish in the top 25. I'm a believer in Connor Wagman at quarterback. He showed glimpses of being really good at times last year. I think he can do it again, especially with that wide receiver group led by Evan Stewart. But the defense, yes, they are very, very talented with so many five stars, but they just were such a letdown last year. I think they're going to do it again this year. I think they finished around eight and four, borderline top 25 team. All right. I want to get into a couple of breakout players that we see this year. And I'll, I'll mention a couple really, really quick, and then I want to hit on a couple more. Mine are the first one, Johnny Wilson. I already talked about him. This guy's six, seven, 240, runs like a deer and has Jordan Travis at quarterback. I don't see why this guy cannot be a Bolitnikoff Award finalist, if not win at all. He's going to be a first-rounder next year, maybe even a top-ten pick all over him. Isaiah Bond, I mentioned him earlier, wide receiver from Alabama. I see him having a breakout year. 
I thought he might do it as a freshman last year, you know, with no proven wide receivers there, but still really no proven guys there. I think he can do it this year. Very quick, watched him in high school many times at Buford on TV. Things going to be great. I mentioned this guy, Jamin Dumas Johnson. I'm all over him. I, I watched, you know, just about every Georgia game, almost every second of every Georgia game, and it seemed like Jamin Dumas Johnson was doing something on every play. He reminds me, you know, of all these former linebackers that Georgia's had in the past few years, Roquan Smith, all these guys. Like, I think he's really, really talented and can take that next step and be that next guy for Georgia at linebacker. I think he's the best player on their defense. I think he may be the best linebacker in the country. Next one, Dorian Singer. I get a a lot of people think he's going to be great for USC, but I think he can be – a Bolitnikov finalist or a winner as well, just like Johnny Wilson. The last one I want to talk about is Braden Fisk. He's a guy that not many people have heard of. He's a Central Michigan transfer going into Florida State. He had six sacks last year there, 12 tackles for loss. And, you know, all these defenses are going to be focusing in on Jared Burst, and as they should. He's an edge rusher. But Braden Fisk... I think he's going to be a stud for Florida State, double-digit sacks, just going to be a run-stopper up the middle. I think he's going to be awesome. What are your thoughts? I mainly want to get your thought on Jameis Dumas Johnson, and then I want you to give your breakout players. So Jameis Dumas Johnson is, is is the guy, all right? He's the N'Kobe Dean, your Nolan Smith, your Roquan Smith. He's the guy that will make all the flashes, who will call the plays on the defense, and he'll be the guy that everybody talks about, you know, on game day or whatever. You know what I'm saying? He's that good, and I'm not taking anything away from him. I think the best linebacker on your team, though, is Smile Wonder. You ask anybody close to this program, and they said, yeah, JDJ is smart, and he's talented, and he's quick, but he's not the most go-get-you guy. I think Smile Munden's going to uh, you know, shock a lot of people, and I think they both are. I think they're both going to – people are going to have to realize that no matter how many we graduate, two more are right here to take their place. You know, And I, and I think both of these guys are going to have great years – and I think Smile Munden actually ends up being the higher draft pick. I think he's just a little bit more NFL style. Uh, but JDJ is going to be absolutely impressive. Talk about two surprise players. Um, I haven't done much research. I wish I had. You know, maybe next time we talk, I can come back with some more. But the two people uh, I'm going to stick in Athens is Oscar Delp, the tight end who has to replace Darnell Washington. Uh, you know, he's opposite of Brock Bowers, and Brock's going to take everything. But Delp, they say, is almost as good a blocker as Darnell is, and he runs routes a little crisper. Um, so if you get that type of production out of your number two tight end, and we're talking about someone who's just filled in the spot and is supposed to be just as good as a six-seven dude that everyone's calling the steal of the NFL draft, you know, up in PA, it's it sounds like a good pick. I think Delp takes that next step, and Dor- people realize that just because Darnell's gone, Delp's right here to take his place. I've got Oscar Delp on that breakout candidate watch. And I'm going to go out west, kind of what you mentioned earlier about Oregon State. Now, people know this name, but I think DJ Uyangale really reintroduces himself to a lot of people. I think he has a phenomenal season in Jonathan Smith's offense out in Corvallis. I think the Beavers do really well, and they could really be that Washington team like I talked about. If it's them instead of Washington or USC or Oregon, all four of those teams I think could end up winning the Pac-12 in some form or fashion. And I think DJ is going to have a great year. And I think – don't hold me to this – but I think it could get a little weird, especially if Clemson loses that game to Florida State. 
And Klubnik's if because if Clemson loses, Klubnik was the one. It was the X factor that lost it. I think, you know. And if DJ's doing really well, maybe they pull off an early upset out there. People are going to have some questions in Clemson. Did we get rid of the wrong guy? Yeah, I mean, I fully agree that that could happen. I don't think it will. I think Cade will outperform DJ this year, but it's very possible that we see the Cade of last year and we see DJ take that step forward, and you could be fully correct on that. All right, let's jump into our Heisman picks, and then I want to give a Heisman long shot. So my Heisman pick, I already said it, it's a very boring pick. I'm picking the favorite at plus 350, Caleb Williams. I mean, if he does what he did last year with all these playmakers around him this year, I know he lost Jordan Addison, but he gets Dorian Singer and more back. I think he's going to be head and shoulders above it. I don't think this Heisman race is going to be close, but if it is close – I'll tell you who's going to compete with them, and it's Marvin Harrison Jr., who is my long shot at plus 4,500 to win it all. I think Marvin Harrison Jr. may be the best wide receiver to come out of Ohio State in these past few years, and they've had so many good ones. Jackson Smith, the Jigba, Chris Lave, Garrett Wilson. The list goes on and on. I think he could be – he may very well be the best of all of them. I think he's a Heisman finalist and very well can win it all. Who's your Heisman pick and who's your sleeper? So I think someone, you know, I don't want to take the Caleb Williams pick, but it's going to be real. It's really hard to think of someone else. You know, you talk about Drake May out of UNC, but UNC lost a lot, man. You know, it'd be really hard. I like Michael Penix Jr. out of Washington. I think he's a really competitive guy. I think he really has that chance to do it. You know, but if Washington loses two games and USC loses two games, you'd probably give it to Caleb Williams, you know, at the end of the day, just because of this talent. It'd be, it would not be shocking at all to see a back-to-back out of Caleb Williams. If I had to pick someone, you know, if you're putting me on the spot and I couldn't pick Caleb Williams, I think someone who could make some noise is Jaden Daniels. You know, if LSU beats off Alabama, beats off, you know, obviously not Florida, but I mean, if they – gets up to them and LSU sitting there and they're in the SEC championship and they're, you know, 12 and 0 loses to Georgia 12 and 1. They're in the playoff. Jaden Daniels going to have a person in the conversation. I I think Blake Corum could make some noise. He made some noise last year. If Michigan takes that next step, he's going to be the reason behind it. Marvin Harrison Jr. Obviously. And, and I know we haven't talked about him that much throughout the show, but we, I think we all agree that Brock Bowers is a top three, top five person, in, you know, in the country when it comes to playing football as a sport. It's going to be really hard for a tight end to win this award. I think he's talented enough to maybe make a push. Again, it, it's really hard. And, and, I, and I'll give you this. And I'll say this, and I know this is a cop-out answer, and it sounds lame, but I think someone we have not talked about yet will win the Heisman. I genuinely do. I, 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 it just yeah. feels like one of those years that someone comes off the radar, you know, we don't talk about at all, and we sit here through week six, seven, eighth of the season. We're like, dang, this dude's got three thousand yards. You know, I mean, something crazy. Yeah. I, I think we, I think we get a wild card uh, to to win it this year. All right, well, let's jump into our final four picks and our champion. I'll kick us off. My final four is going to be Georgia, Ohio State, USC, and Bama. It's very chalk, very boring. I get that. But I think Georgia and Bama both make it to the SEC championship undefeated. 
I don't care who wins it. Georgia can win it. Bama can win it. I think both are going to get in. I think Michigan does drop a game to Ohio State and does not get in. So I have Ohio State going undefeated all the way to the playoffs. And then I have USC, who is my national champion, just over Georgia in the national championship. What's your pick? I have Georgia. I have Alabama. I have Ohio State. And I have Clemson. I have Georgia and Clemson meeting up in the 1-4 to four matchup. I have Alabama-Ohio State in the 2-3. I have Alabama, I have Georgia versus Ohio State in the championship. And to be completely honest, I don't have a pick. I think I have literally 50-50 split because all of me wants to pick Georgia, the homer, but I just don't see us three-peating, but I also don't see anybody beating us. The only team I do see beating us is Ohio State, but I don't think Ohio State has the mindset to do it. I think it makes for the story in the Peach Bowl. I just, I'm going to leave it at that. If I had to give the edge, I'm going on paper. Georgia, I can give you an update two, three weeks in the season, you know, because I, I, I'm pretty good seeing – if I see three games of this Georgia team, I'll tell you if we're legit or not, regardless if we're playing three cupcakes, you know. I could tell by the energy. I could tell by the play track. I could tell by how crisp we're blocking people, how we're moving, you know, stuff of that nature. I'll take Georgia over Ohio State right now to three feet. All right. And let's wrap this podcast up with a bold prediction. And I'll get us started with one while you're thinking. I have my Florida Gators winning week one at Salt Lake City against Utah. And I know you may be thinking that's not that bold. They're nine-point underdogs right now. But here's the thing. Cam Rising is very questionable for this game. I don't think he's going to play. Their backup had a head injury in spring practice. I don't think he's going to play in it. I think they're going to be on a third-string guy who played a little bit last year as a redshirt freshman or a true freshman this year. And I just think my Florida Gator defense is going to be a little too good for that. I think they're going to suffocate him. I think my Gators pull out a very close win in Salt Lake City. What are your thoughts on that, and what's your pick? Yeah, it's very possible if they get down to a third-string quarterback. I didn't know that. I'll have to look into that before I make my picks that week. But we, we talk about this surprise. You know, and I've, I've rode the fence a lot. I think my biggest surprise, uh, like I said, was the USC getting left out of the playoffs. And I, and I, and I, I don't want to double that down. But I'll tell you this. You want a real big surprise, really bold prediction? Nebraska yeah. goes 8-4 and four this year. I think Matt Rule is going to change the culture. I don't think the talent's not there. I think they could upset maybe some big games. I don't think there'll be anything crazy. But I think Nebraska could get 8-4. and four. I think it's possible. They do have some talent. Like I said, Matt Rule, really great coach. But we'll have to see with that. Do you have any last words before we're out? Yeah, I think we need, we need to address it. You know, I kind of hit it out earlier. You know, since we last talked, there's been a lot of realignment. I think we should just run over real quick to talk about our thoughts on it and kind of see what we're seeing in the future, what our next guess is going to happen. All right, why don't you lead this for us real quick? Yeah, so realignment, uh, about, I guess, three weeks' time now, Colorado left to join the Big 12. Well, let me actually – let me take a backtrack. Just so people know, the Big 12 added four teams starting July 1st. BYU, UCF, Houston, and um, Cincinnati. They're all going to play in what the quote-unquote Big 12, Big 14 this year. Oklahoma and Texas will leave to join the SEC in 2024 to make the SEC at 16 teams. We already knew USC and UCLA was going to leave the Big Ten and go to – or, excuse me, leave the Pac-12 and go to the Big Ten to make them 16 teams in 2024 as well. 
<clears throat> then the Pac-12 decided they would just all split and go cry himself, and now we're in this giant conundrum of what happens now. Colorado left, followed by Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah, all to join the new Big 12 in 2024, 2024 at a full share of the next media deal. So they're going to be 16 teams deep, just like the SEC. Big 10 came in and stole Oregon and Washington to boot them to the Big 18, Big 10, 18 teams in 2024. Four, four Pac-12 teams left now, Oregon State, Washington State, Stanford, and Cal. From what I've heard, the ACC is one vote split. But ACC wants to go get California, uh, Stanford, and possibly SMU to push them to a 18-team league and everything but football. Because remember, Notre Dame is an ACC member in everything but football. With that being said, the ACC is split. The, from what I'm hearing is uh, Florida State and Clemson and NC, UNC and NC State are out. They need 12 of 15. They have 11. NC State will follow UNC. They're not going to flip without them. So the question really becomes Clemson and Florida State are not going to move. I don't think they're going to move. I think they're trying to move to the SEC, but that's a little ahead of my speech. Depending on how that shakes out, Andrew Luck's dad, Oliver Luck, former West Virginia athletic director, has been hired by the quote-unquote Pac-4, the remaining four schools, to figure out what to do next. There's talks about them possibly merging with the American athletic, merging with the Mountain West, taking a combination of teams from both to retain the Pac-12 and take the Apple TV deal that was presented to the remaining Pac-12 schools after USC and UCLA left. But all of that being said, we're in for a giant landscape change, especially as we move closer and closer to, I think, what will end up being a power three or a two and a half, depending on what you want to call it. But I want to give a huge shout out before I get your opinion to Brett Yormark, the new Big 12 commissioner, because he was he took an impossible job, was left for dead when you when Oklahoma and Texas agreed to leave. And now he's got himself not only did he cannibalize the Pac-12, he's postponing further expansion to see if the ACC is going to fall apart so he can cannibalize them as well. He is a great businessman, and I think he deserves props for saving one of the most historic leagues in college football. Yeah, it's all so crazy. I mean, I, I hate it because it's changing the college football world that, you know, we grew up on and love so much. Is You know, it's just another thing like flipping from the BCS to the college football playoff, going from no NIL to NIL, and now this. I mean, the college football world in 10 years is going to look Nothing similar to what me and you grew up on, and I hate it. And I hate this realignment stuff. Now, I'm pretty sure I talked about this on a podcast last year, and I may have even started writing an article on it that I definitely did not finish. But I know sometime last year I mentioned, I said, in five years from now, I think I'd said in 2028, there will be two conferences pretty much that you're going to look at. And it's going to be the SEC and the Big Ten, and it's going to be just like the NFC, AFC, in the NFL. And there's going to be pretty much no difference. Yes, you'll have a few more teams, like, in these other conferences, or who knows what it's going to look like. But for the most part, you're going to care about the SEC and the Big Ten. You're going to probably have, like, six automatic bids to the playoffs for each league. It's going to be so unreal, I think. It, I hate where we're going to. 
I hate this realignment stuff. It's going to be very interesting to see what Clemson and Florida State do. Apparently, the SEC does not want them. That's what they're saying. I do not really believe that. It seems like every time somebody's talking about moving, they say that, the conference commissioner, and then all of a sudden they just accept them. Like, I'm pretty sure the Big Ten said that about USC and UCLA, and then two days later, there they are joining the conference. I feel like that could be a thing with Clemson and Florida State. I think the SEC needs to go ahead and do it before the Big Ten does it. And we were talking in class today about why the Big Ten is doing this. And do you know what the biggest sports media market is in the U.S.? Los Angeles? They're number two. Who is number one? It's got to be probably New York then. It is New York. And so years ago, the the Big Ten tried – or they did poach Maryland and Rutgers, and they did that to try to secure the New York market. Now they're taking away USC, UCLA to secure the L.A. market – and third is uh, Chicago, which is, you know, surrounded by the Big Ten. So they're doing a great job with it. Drawing in all this money, it's going to make recruiting and other stuff for them so much easier. I think the SEC needs to get on board. Now, I get, you know, Tallahassee and Clemson, South Carolina are not huge media places. But you get two more national present teams who can win a national championship any given year just to keep topping the Big Ten. And I think that's a move the SEC needs to make immediately. But apparently, they're not interested. I don't know what to believe in that. But that's really all I have on the conference realignment stuff. I don't believe they're not interested. I think they're waiting for the ACC to cannibalize itself and then go save them, kind of like how the Big Ten did with Oregon and Washington. Um, and I think, But I think that's the move. Because if the Big Ten goes to 18 – the Big 12's already said we're going to wait at 16 to wait for the ACC to fall apart so we could go to 18 or 20. And the SEC is going to do the same thing. I think we're going to end up with three 20-team power leagues, some form or fashion. The ACC and the Pac-12 and the American will probably the American will probably grab the next the remaining people, and that'll be your power four, you know, you know, quote unquote power four, um, and then you'll run from there. All right. Well, do you have any last words before we wrap up? Nope. Glad to be back, though. It's been fun. We'll uh, got to get forward to a more consistent schedule, but look out for more episodes um, as we go on this farewell tour. Absolutely. And go Braves, go Hawks, go Falcons, as always.